Guys, I just thought about those songs we sung. They're just so incredible. The thought of actually borrowing a tomb for three days. That's crazy, isn't it? Imagine you dying and, and your family is so convinced of a resurrection. They, they go to the cemetery and say, we just, we just want a grave for three days. But uh, <clears throat> that would be crazy, wouldn't it? Um, it's just awesome to know that when Jesus died, the most terrible, terrible death. Death couldn't hold him and that he's risen. So my message is entitled, The Living Christ Makes All the Difference. It's not the dead icon. It's not the Savior who died 2,000 years ago and is staying in the grave. Because we can remember all of his achievements and we need to do that. But guys, it wouldn't make a difference unless he is alive and doing exactly what he did back in those days. He is our living Savior, our, our King. Um, he's the head of the church. We take our instructions from Him, and He leads us through the Holy Spirit. Awesome. So I'm going to examine this story about making a difference by looking at the spiritual journey of Peter. Peter was the unofficial leader um, of the 12 disciples. <clears throat> he was a fisherman. Um, he was their spokesman, spokesperson, and he would be the one who would, who would take, um, take courage. He, he walked on water, although he started sinking halfway. Um, but that was kind of Peter. He was the fiery one. He cut off the ear of the high priest. Imagine just, bzzz, I don't know, the fisherman, how good, was so good with the sword, maybe intended to hit him somewhere else. So this ear goes flying. Jesus goes and picks the ear up and says, I'll put it back. The blood squirting. Just hold still, stand still, still. No, no, just a bit lower. The ear's back. I think it's crazy. I don't know why every single person who was there didn't fall down and worship him. Because who puts an ear back that's being cut off? But that's just a story of Jesus making a difference. He's always making a difference. He made a difference before he died, and he does afterwards. So Peter was very much the down-to-earth, practical human being. He was fiery, made a lot of mistakes. I, I think I identify with Peter a lot. I was a court lawyer, then became a pastor, two very different jobs. Uh, a friend from the old days uh, flew down from Joburg just to make sure it was true that I was actually in the ministry. So, you know, God uses anyone, doesn't he? Uh, awesome. So I'm just going to start off with the summary that that Peter gave on the day of Pentecost. Peter went through a lot of rough uh, waters, um, a lot of doubt, made a lot of mistakes. But on the day of Pentecost, every single thing Jesus had ever said had come into his heart. They had spent um, the, the time between his resurrection, ascension, and Pentecost in prayer and the Word. And Peter was on fire. 3,000 new decisions for Christ. And this is what he said in Acts 2. People of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. You see, Jesus' um, plan was very simple. He preached the word and then performed miracles afterwards because uh, uh, he always wanted it to be practical. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. At the time, Peter did not believe that it was God's plan. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him 
from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. You do know that the greatest blessing we have is the fact that death cannot keep us in its grip. Somewhere along the line, each of us, unless Jesus comes back first, we're going to be in that place where we're going to draw our last breath. It could be quite fearful, actually, to think about it. But you need to know that death cannot hold you in its grip. Amen. Come on, let's just give God a round of applause. Because we are going to go from death to life. God raised Jesus from the dead and we're all witnesses of this. Do you know they say that 500 people in all witnessed the resurrected Christ. And as the church grew, each and every one of those people were used to speak in services. They stood up and said, I saw Jesus resurrected. That's why it's documented. We're not in doubt about the resurrection. Um, it wasn't just the 12 disciples. Now he's exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out on us, just as you see and hear today. I want you to know part of Jesus making the difference today is that the Holy Spirit is in us and lives here for us. Okay, so if we look at Peter's life, it start, I want to start with Jesus making the difference, and I'm going to end with him making the same difference. In between, um, we find the problems that Peter experienced. So let's start with the difference. So it was the active presence of Jesus in Peter's life that gave him revelation. Um, it was a revelation of provision. I wonder if you could remember what it was that turned you towards Jesus. Was it a word someone preached? Uh, was it a prayer someone made? Or maybe, maybe a prayer you, you prayed? Guys, I hope you all can identify the, the route towards salvation. What, what happened in your life? Uh, was it a miracle of healing? A, a lady was just exp uh, sharing with me how she was for all intents and purposes dead with every pop. Uh, she was dying of cancer and how in a moment she was healed and she's had no, uh, no therapy, nothing since that. It was eight years ago. I mean, that made a difference. And she and her husband, they're, like, they're, they're older people. They're on fire. There's a, there's a glow about them. Huh? I mean, that's, that, that's absolutely insane. Um, but with Peter, it was a miracle of provision where Jesus gave them fish, where there were no fish. And, uh, you know, think about it. Uh, Andrew's brother introduced him to Jesus, but no bells rung. He didn't sort of meet Jesus and fall down at his feet. Uh, you heard Jesus uh, preaching, but Peter watched from a distance. Okay, maybe you're watching from a distance. But one day, he and um, and. And, and his fellow partners in their business had been out all night. They'd fished all night and didn't catch a single fish. And they were washing their nets. Maybe those of you that had pressure during COVID would kind of know what it is to fish all night and no fish. Um, the pressure that it was on him. I mean, after all, he was a family member. He was also the owner of a business. And the, the anxiety, the stress, the pressure... And then anyway, Jesus comes and starts to teach um, around where they were sitting with their nets. And um, then Jesus realized that the crowd has got too big. So he says to Peter, 
can I preach from one of your boats? If we could just push out a little bit and then I can speak to the people. So Peter says, yes, okay. okay. And then Peter was trapped. He was kind of in the boat. Imagine him looking up at Jesus sort of, he, he had to show the crowd that he was listening. I think Peter was probably a bit HDD, uh, you know, like at the distance, at least I can look at my phone and see if I've got any messages or just check out on the net. And if you guys like that, you just think, oh, my hat, have I got to concentrate? Some of you, you guys all look at me intently. I'm assuming you guys are all loving it. Eh? <laughs> Peter was trapped in the boat. Anyway, I think he was thinking, you know what? You're a good bloke. Not that word bloke's not used too much today. You're a good guy. You're a dude or whatever it is. And uh, I, I like your teaching, but what difference is this making to my life? I need fish. I need money. I need to buy, I need to buy some bread. I, I, I need cash. And I'm down on my luck. What difference does this beautiful teaching make to me? Jesus knew what was going on in his mind. So he finishes preaching. They say the last prayer, whatever, the people go away. He says to Peter, why don't you fetch your nets? And I want you to just launch out a bit into the deep. And Peter like thinks, you know what? I know there's no fish here. But he says, okay, if you say so, Rabbi, you're a good dude. I'll, I'll take my chances. And of course, we know the story, don't we? Or do you know it? where all of a sudden they had this massive catch of fish. Um, it was the, the, the scripture tells us that the nets burst, um, that the ships began to sink. Have you ever thought of your business beginning to sink because you got so much work? <laughs> like nobody else in your area uh, of business has got any work, but you've got it all. I've heard that story many a time, by the way, over the years. Uh, and it's just crazy. And in that moment, Peter has a fourfold vision. You know, I think that's every pastor's dream, that you speak to people and bang, bang, there's revelation. Because, look, at least I'm hoping that there'll be some revelation, revelation you're taking home. But this was like fourfold. Uh, let me read it in Luke 5. When Simon Peter saw this, uh, that is this amazing catch. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me. Lord, I'm a sinful man. You know, the average person feels that their sin should cause God to move further away. He didn't understand grace and mercy. Do you know that God doesn't love your sin, but he's not afraid of your sin? You know, if, if you hear about an evil person, you don't want to come near that evil person. Hey? But God was attracted to the evil person, not the sin. And he said to him, go away, go away. Um, and for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Guys, that's like strange. All in like one sentence, two sentences. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. I'm quite sure they worked out farther brothers, cousins, taking over the business. But they followed Jesus. So let's just have a look at the four things that happened. Firstly, the revelation that God loves us enough to provide for our daily needs when we don't deserve it. You know, sometimes we don't pray to God 
Because we kind of know we don't deserve it. Do any of you think you ever deserve it? Sometimes you're just like, you've got this need and you've been praying and saying, God, I've been praying for two weeks. Like, where's my answer? Guys, the good news is that God does not supply our needs because we deserve it. It's because he loves us. Amen. So that was a crazy revelation. Then Peter was convinced or convicted about his own sin. What was the biggest sin? The biggest sin was unbelief. Not trusting God. Stressing. Worrying. His massive concern about this fishing expedition that was bringing him no fish. And in that moment, he realized, you know what? I'm sinning. Crazy, isn't it? Just to know that we live in a world of depression, stress, worry, anxiety. And what we're saying loud and clear is that Jesus is not here to make the difference. Right? And so it was a crazy insight. Then also the great value of fishing for people. In that moment of confessing his sin, a whole new world opened up. People. You know, sometimes we don't like people. Any of you don't like people? Say, me, it's my dog, my cat, my budgie, but don't give me people. Or you know what? I'm just a family man. But I just kind of, people irritate me. I'll come to church. Don't ask me to become part of a view group. I don't like people. Oh, I visited last week. I don't like the people. Suddenly, something changed. He cared about people. You know, I sometimes go down all the roads. I've got a route if I'm going to the table view church. It zigzags like that. So I can just pray for homes and people. God gives you a love for people. Then fourthly, man. The fourth revelation was the only way forward was to follow Jesus. They left everything and followed him. Now, guys, I'm not suggesting you go and pack up your business and all pitch up at the church office saying, I'm here full-time. And Guys, we're full-time anyway. But wouldn't it be amazing if you said, you know what, this business, this job, my house, it all belongs to you, God. I'm just going to take a deep breath and go, it's all yours. I don't have to worry about getting into schools. Man, this thing about getting into schools and a new school, and will they accept us? And can I get into a private school? Can I afford the private school? Help me, Jesus. Those of you got your kids at a private school, <gasps> it's like a deep breath because the fees just go up, don't they? And then it's university. Um, there's so much. And as kids, we worry, will my marks be good enough? Guys, you know that I think you can finish school and not having any fun. I remember in my day, I don't know, no one worried about that. We just went and played soccer or cricket in the park and just trusted it would all work out. Guys, with me there? But we're living in this stressed-out world. Why don't we just follow Jesus? Guys, I'm not saying you must sit on the beach and just trust. <clears throat> you still got to work hard. So then what happened? All this was amazing. Peter becomes a disciple. But you know, three and a half years later, I want to jump. I want to jump to the weekend Jesus was crucified. He's self-assured. He's an experienced leader. Yes, um, a busy leader. And he is, 
he is actually quite content in his spirituality. How many of you know when you're content spiritually, you're probably drifting? <laughs> yeah. What does the scripture say? And I often go back to the scripture of 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. I, don't, I think he drifted from a place of intimacy. Let's just see the declaration that he made. Matthew 26 from verse 31. Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, that is Jesus, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. See, already Jesus prophesied that he would go to Galilee where they would be fishing, where they would have no luck again, and he would make the difference. But of course, Peter didn't take note of that. Verse 33, Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. There's the competitiveness. Are you competitive with your siblings? Family? Hey, hey, hey. That might happen to you, but not me. Anyone competitive here? <clears throat> that just came out in Peter. Uh, Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Do you know what? It was the realistic thought of Jesus dying and him dying with him. That God him saying, I don't know the guy, I don't know the guy, I don't know the guy. You know what? We, we don't know how we will respond in a crisis, do we? But I do believe that when Jesus makes a difference in your life, he gives you the strength to go through whatever it is you have to go through. I never forget when my late father died suddenly and it was a huge funeral and just that crazy strength. Um, how, do you, how do you go through the loss of a loved one? Only with the strength of Jesus. So he just, he just made it clear that he would never leave Jesus. Can I say this? They were hectically busy. Jesus had become this cult figure. There were crowds. And I think Peter and the disciples were so busy with crowd control, the logistics, getting things sorted out, finding the donkey. Jesus told them, you know, pass over, find a room, you'll find. He always told them, go to a man there or that because God would always show Jesus what was going to happen. But they'd have to do the work. I want to ask you a question. Since the beginning of this year, have you not been busier than the previous two years? I think it's been crazy. And you know, in the busyness, you can drift. The intimacy isn't there. The quiet times are not what they used to be. Right? And when we drift, things get dangerous. He was so self-assured, um, and he wanted to be the rock in any crisis. Do you want to be the rock in a crisis? Of course you do. You want to be there for your family. You want to be there for the business. But sometimes things happen, and only Jesus can make the difference. So from the drift, we go to disintegration. Under extreme pressure or unwanted horrifying changes, Peter began to disintegrate spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. 
Jesus had told them several times that he was going to die. But you know what? They were in such a groove. Are you in a groove? A good groove. You don't want that groove to end. You don't want it to change. And then suddenly things happen. You know, I counsel so many people in, in COVID where the whole business stopped, finished, gone. <laughs> what do you do next? Can I trust in Jesus? He's the only one who can be there for you. And, uh, but what happened to him was everything froze. Let me read it. Matthew 26, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard. Remember, they were beating Jesus up, ripping him to pieces, pulling his beard off. He was being tried, false trials. And a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this is the fellow who was with Jesus. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Do you have an accent that gives you away? Oh, my hat. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them. I don't know the man. I don't know what the F word is in, in Aramaic, but... I just want to say, this was, this was grim. <laughs> Things had really turned for the worse. <laughs> oh, my word. You know what? I think Peter was more afraid of what they were going to do to Jesus. Then he was afraid. Would they beat him? Would they put him on a cross? I mean, everybody there knew what the Romans did. I hate to talk about Russians and, and, and Ukrainians, but you just kind of knew. I mean, a Roman soldier who was kind of in a peacetime just looked for their chance to start tearing and ripping and whipping. And what else are we going to do with the cat and nine tails if you aren't going to strike someone on the back? They just loved it. They were given a carte blanche to tear Jesus apart. What happens is that Peter suffers a brain freeze. Have you ever suffered a brain freeze? You're in a situation, you can't remember one scripture. He couldn't remember a single word of prophecy. He, he couldn't remember any of the good things that Jesus did. He just knew in the moment that Jesus was no longer the one who was making a difference. I mean, after all, everything Jesus had done was to... to, to to give him a new life, to mature him. All of this was going down the toilet. When I think of a toilet, I always think of an airplane toilet. It goes, <sharp inhale> ever been in an airplane thinking, you, I don't want to get sucked down that. Oh my head, it's like a like suction of notes. And if I just got a, a uh, gone. He could not possibly make a difference. He couldn't see the value in him going to the cross. Peter was macho, and he knew that Jesus could call down 10,000 angels. He became this meek, sacrificial lamb. What are you doing, Jesus? You can beat all these guys up. You can take them out in one moment. Just call down the angels. Of course, it's so important for us 
to constantly have that quiet time where we read the Word of God. Do you know what? If you're a busy person, you can't walk away with a passage. You can walk away with one word, one verse, or one phrase in the verse. But if you meditate on that, it's going to prepare you for this kind of moment. Okay? You guys with me? Can you take that home? I'll never forget. A business guy told me that. It just it was like a light on. He said, no, no, no. I bring my quiet down to one verse or a fraction of a verse. I'm a busy man, but I take that with me throughout the day. Amen. That's awesome, isn't it? He felt ashamed um, uh, that he'd repeatedly told Jesus he'd never leave him. And now he'd done exactly that. How many times do we make a promise to God? I won't do it again. I won't do it again. I won't shout at the kids. I won't kick the dog. I won't, I won't swear at my clients. I, I, I won't do it again. I won't sulk. I won't lose my temper. And then you do it again. <laughs> Think of Romans 7. Paul says, the very thing, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, St. Paul, call him what you want. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. But you know, that passage ends, he says one thing. This is a phrase, thank God for Jesus. Guys, he's the only one um, who can change you. Peter was in a spiritual numbness. He was frozen in his mind that Everything that he ever lived for had frozen in that point that he had betrayed Jesus. It was over. And everything was over because Jesus died on the cross. All that went before was frozen in time. And yes, maybe he would have thought in 2,000 years' time they'll remember it, but it's there. It's frozen. Nothing will change. But you know what? Jesus died on the cross. It was terrible. They buried him. And then, you know, we've just sung the most beautiful songs about his risen. What a revelation. But you know, the disciples didn't have a revelation because it was the two ladies again that found the empty tomb. They even called Peter. Peter looked. He saw the grave closed there. But Peter didn't do any jumping. Peter wasn't singing any songs. He was depressed. Because you know what? <laughs> a risen Jesus could come and face him. He'd have to look him in the eyes. If you look at the Luke version, he, Jesus was in the courtyard. And when the rooster crowed, Jesus turned and looked at Peter. Have you ever done something wrong and you can just see the eyes of the hurt of the person you harmed? You can't get that out of your mind. But you know what? Jesus, the risen Savior, made the difference. And do you know how he showed Peter? That as a resurrected Lord, he still had to make the difference. He repeated the miracle. So what happened? Peter, um, he's practical. Okay, he's full of remorse. I mean, good grief. He, he had failed. All the other disciples have failed. And he's the leader. Should have made sure they didn't fail. And all the people. Do you know that people who were shouting crucify him with the same people who've been healed or family members had been healed. They had witnessed it all and they were the ones that were waving palm leaves a week ago. He was full of remorse. Didn't know what to do. Isaiah 53 verse 6 prophesied it. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. But you know what Peter realized? 
He needed, he needed coffee. Do you, have you ever wondered where state capture started? It started with Judas. He captured all the money. There wasn't anything left. Have you ever needed coffee badly? I remember before the, before the days of, of credit cards, I was in some international airport, and I, I had these coins in my pocket, but they weren't enough for a coffee. I'm begging that guy, saying, please, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty. Please, please, can I have a coffee for this? And the guy just snatched the money and just gave me the coffee. Didn't give me a full cup of coffee, by the way, but at least I had some coffee. Peter said, we have to go back fishing. We got to fish. And you know, a very interesting thing. When this service is over, you're going to enjoy the rest of Easter. Then you've got to go back fishing, right? And you've got to ask yourself the question, where is our economy? Where is this happening? Am I, going to, am I going to get some fish? Tragically, again, there was no fish. And I'll read you the story of what happened. Um, guess where are we? Okay, nearly finished. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Can I tell you, when you've let God down a hundred times, Jesus will still give you that surprise net of fish. So many of us, we're not asking for help. We're not, we're not trusting Him to provide because we know we've let the Lord down. God doesn't provide because you're perfect. He doesn't give you a point thing. If you just get up to 80 points today, didn't swear, didn't kick the dog, you were nice to your customers, tick, 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 phew, you've reached the level. Ka-ching, 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 flashlights, red lights go, phew, here's your provision. Right? But you know, we, we think like that, don't we? We think things are tough. Eh? The problem is I haven't been good enough. I haven't loved my husband enough, my wife enough. So how can I expect God to provide? But you know what? Like before, Jesus makes the same difference. And it was an amazing thing. Um, uh, John said to him, you know, it's funny how John writes it. He said, the one who loved the Lord. It's again competition. I'm the one that loved the Lord. Do your kids ever talk to you and say, I was your favorite, wasn't I? <laughs> I was the middle child, sob, sob. Anyone know those stories? <laughs> I do, I do. But Peter just grabbed his coat and he actually waded 100 meters to Jesus. Incredible story, actually. Do you know that there were 153 fish? They counted them because they had a business to run. 153 fish. Jesus had already made a meal for them. And he'd done that so many times. I don't know where the food came from, the bread. I like to think that Jesus got down there, put the fire and went click, click, click. And these fish jumped out into the pan. Okay, I'm only joking. I don't know where. But they knew that Jesus had made their meal. He said, come on, bring some of the fish. And it's just an amazing story of restoration. And what he did was he said, come, let's have breakfast together. Can I tell you that full restoration takes place in relationship? 
That's what I encourage you. Make a decision to come to God's house as often as you can. We're going to have tea and coffee outside. Why don't you stay behind? Why don't you connect with people? Why don't you make a decision to go to View Group? Every time View Group's there. Because you know what? We, when, when Peter um, had kind of said sorry to the Lord, the Lord said to him three times, do you love me? He said, of course you know I love you. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Take care of my lambs. And I believe that we've all got something to offer one another. You've all, we've all got a story. We can all offer a prayer. What about your family? Getting your family together. Maybe having breaking of bread. Just sharing a, a bit of bread, a bit of, a bit of juice, a bit of wine. I don't know. But it's all about making Jesus the center. And I tell you what, there is a completion that takes place because Jesus is alive and he's still making a difference. Amen. Come. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to stand. Uh, we, uh, we, we can't end Easter Sunday on our bums. Eh? We've got to stand because we're going to worship the Lord. Then we're just going to pray for one or two things. I'm going to pray for you. Hey, guys, I don't want any one of you to think you don't deserve and pray. God's provision. I don't want any one of you to think that God doesn't want to heal you. I don't want any one of you to think that God doesn't want to repair or can't repair your marriage or your relationship with your kids. Right? Can I have, can I have your faith? I'm asking you for your faith. Not in me, but in God. We're going to pray as we close. I want everyone to just bow their heads for a few moments. You know, it's good sometimes just to make that really serious connection with God. If you know that you've drifted, maybe you've even allowed yourself to get caught in some kind of spiritual disintegration. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. In a moment, in this moment, I want to ask you to reconnect. Do you know how simple it is? Because Jesus is alive. He's here to make a difference. He's not dead. He's not in the grave. Why don't you just say in your heart, Jesus, forgive me. Particularly my sin of unbelief, the sin of not believing that you're here to provide, that you're here for my family, you're here for my business, that you're here for my spiritual life. That whatever happens in this world, I can trust you to make a difference. Just in your heart, say, forgive me. Please restore me. Because that was the theme both times in the life of Peter. If that's you, could you just raise your hand and say, Graham, I prayed that prayer just for me to know. Just raise your hand and take it down. Say, Graham, thank you. I've reconnected. It's so important. Thank you. Thank you. I've reconnected with Jesus. I've reconnected. Shall we pray together? Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I thank you that you love me so much that you sent your son to die for me that my sins may be forgiven. I thank you that you resurrected him through the power of your Holy Spirit that he might be my living leader. I just pray God 
that I will be able to live for Christ with peace in my heart knowing that he will always make the difference I ask this in Jesus name Amen guys one last prayer what do you need him to make a difference in school work college married maybe you're unmarried and you're looking for a, you're looking for a partner why don't you ask him why don't you trust him maybe you want to have children you know a couple of times I've prophesied over people they're going to have a lot of children they couldn't have children they had a lot of children they came back to me and said Graham stop praying enough children <laughs> I don't know maybe you want grandchildren you say Graham it's not my decision yes you can pray for grandchildren <laughs> why not you got a business that business is struggling you want that to be you want the nets to sink the ship almost sink the boat you want to sink the boat eh? you got a job you feel that you're in a dead end job but you know God placed you there for a reason right can we pray I'm going to pray the shortest prayer I want you to grab on to that difference you believe and trust Jesus will make Father I come to you in Jesus name and God we're asking you right now to miraculously through a sign through a wonder to make a difference in our lives right now in our families for our health Lord those that are ill those that are sick I just think of that crazy testimony from that lady where he healed totally utterly when she was on her deathbed Lord I pray for healing from every single kind of disease Lord, I pray for a lifting of depression, of suicide, Lord, suicidal thoughts. Lord, I pray for, uh, for healing again uh, for, for those that are anxious. Lord, that we take authority over anxiety in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'd release us in the area of our jobs, our future. And every single person here will be able to take care of their family because you're the one who makes the difference. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.